Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. We're sometimes fortnightly, we're something, some, we're sometimes fortnightly, we're sometimes monthly. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing really well. Much better than last time, all those days ago we last recorded. Mm. We just got a rare me stumbling over the intro. Yeah, that's a collector's item. Do you know why? Why? Do you know why? Go on, tell me. I started thinking, oh, I'm wearing my glasses again as I was doing the intro. And then I couldn't speak. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Genuinely, that's... You meant to wear them on your eyes, not on your mouth. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's a new thing for me. I'm trying it out, okay? I'm just testing out different ways. And yes... Everyone was right that, yes, wearing them on your eyes is more efficient than shoving them in your mouth. But there we go. Okay, we're continuing our first looks of the Feast of Henlock Vale Investigator expansion for players. And we're doing another class, level zero, chosen at random by the Wheel of Destiny. Take it away, Peter. Right, yeah, let's give it a spin. Oh, we've got Survivor. Survivor. One of my personal faves, yeah. Red Investigators. So our Survivor Investigator is, I think, think your fave anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Hank Sampson, the farmhand. Big boy. Hank's ability is that he can be assigned damage and horror dealt to allies and other investigators at your location. He then also, just to make things confusing, given that we're only going to be talking about him briefly, when he's going to be defeated by damage or horror, he instead heals fully and switches to one of two different Super Hank versions. And his deck building is Survivor 0-5, to Neutral 0-5, to and up to 10 other innate or spirit cards. So he should be able to take all of these level 0 Survivor cards, and we should also keep an eye out for innate or spirit cards. And just thinking about the cards we previewed last week and the week before, I don't remember seeing many innate or spirit cards, so probably he's not getting too many secret or or rogue cards in the mix. Yeah. Okay. Anything to do with health and sanity could be a nice one for Hank, given how his health sanity works. But let's see, shall we? Yes. Right, let's blast on. I went first last oh, time, so why don't first? you lead the way? Yeah. Go. yeah. First of all, we have Matchbox. This is a one-cost asset with a single intellect icon. It has the item and the tool traits. We've got users three supplies. If Matchbox has no supplies, discard it. Free trigger. Mm -hmm. During any investigator's turn, exhaust matchbox and spend one supply. Your location gets minus one shroud until the end of this turn. Ooh. Notably, no slot. Mm, Slotless. Slotless. Ring the slotless, klaxon. Yeah. (laughs) The discarding itself ability. Also good. Sometimes sometimes bad, you know, I've lost this thing, but also allows you to scavenge it back. Yes. And to play it again over and over. Which is very nice. So what are our comparison points here? Old keyring, flashlight, that sort of thing? Yes, yeah, old keyring, yeah. yeah, flashlight. It builds into any kind of reduced difficulty to succeed deck. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, Daryl obviously going to be looking at it carefully to see if it's worth yeah. taking. I think mm, it's really good. Yeah. There was quite a bit of chat about whether it's too good, I think, when it was... It, it, we found out a bit about this via FFG Live, I seem to remember. Yeah, that's I right. I think there was some chat at the time about whether it was too good, pushed, I think is the okay. phrase, the parlance of our times. But I, I like it. I think it's good. I think it's nice. You just, like, strike up a match 
and then it lasts for a very short period of time. I just think that's it's a nice, like, just a little bit of theming. I love that if you get the shroud to zero, you've used your matchbox to shred a, shed a light. Yeah. That feels very fitting. I also think it's a nice angle for shroud reduction for either multiple investigates or whatever other reasons you need trial reduction for, that this has the duration of a turn rather than just one test, and it can be for anyone. So you pick a person, you know, it's. it felt like that space was a very well-explored space, and it's quite nice to see this different angle. It's reminding me of Arcane Enlightenment, which I think no one ever runs, which has a similar ability. Yeah. And is it Arcane Enlightenment? No, isn't that the no. one which gives you an extra tome, hand slot for tomes or something? Yeah, sorry, I beg your pardon. It's called Arcane Insight. There yeah, we Arcane go. Arcane Insight. It's a skull being split with light. Three cost, four XP. While an investigator is taking his or her turn, spend a charge. Your location gets minus two shroud until the end of this turn. Limit once per turn. Much more complicated version than Matchbox, it seems. Yeah. Other thing to keep an eye on with Matchbox is any enemies we see that care about the Shroud of your location, or indeed any other cards that care about the Shroud that aren't for investigating. Mm-hmm. This is this is worth bearing in mind as well. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Shall I move us on? Yeah, let's do it. Next we have the Pelt Shipment. This was announced by Great Old Ones Gaming. This is a null-costed asset, item and supply treated. While Pelt Shipment is in your hand... Your maximum hand size is reduced by three. Reaction, when the game ends or you resign, if pelt shipment is in your hand, reduce the experience cost of the next new card you purchase before the next scenario by one. And I think that means for that final bit that upgrading a card isn't discounted. It's about purchasing new cards that is discounted. Got that right? Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, I'm with you, with you. It's like the reverse yeah. of a down the rabbit hole. I was just thinking this is really nasty in Patrice because you would have it in hand, yeah. you draw up but the then five cards, discard it and then your hand away. size, yeah. <laughs> but yes, then you could just discard this, which is yeah. is fine until you need it for when you're about to finish the scenario and you want to then keep it in hand. But it's quite, quite the penalty otherwise. What do you make of this card, Peter? My gut feel is that it's quite good. It's hard to not just run two. So so going from eight to five cards isn't the end of the world, especially mm-hmm. if you're playing with a deck that is happy putting stuff in the discard anyway. Yeah. So a Yorick, for instance, mm-hmm. feels like he could he could make good use of this. Yeah, you don't so, mind actually sorry, I've got overdrawing a, to six cards. I've got and... a rules question. <laughs> oh, go on. If I... Uh, a level zero card that has an XP upgrade... Or a, a, like a like an experience version. Mm. Do I have to upgrade the level zero version into that, or can I purchase? Because there's no experience difference, is there? Yeah. So you would. So I've got I've got I've your... got two vicious blow in my deck, and I want to put vicious blow yeah. level two in. Do I need to upgrade the vicious blow level zero to level two, or can I just or purchase I purchase a level <laughs> one card and take the vicious blow out? And then purchase <laughs> a new vicious blow too. Yeah. Or can I do that as one step? I would suspect. Great question. There's probably. I not. feel like the rules around upgrading could probably do with a bit of tightening up, mm-hmm. because I don't feel like they're very well defined in that regard. There are different ways of upgrading. You've just pointed out as well. Obviously, 
level zero cards give a discount, but the discount is zero. So, so I, I don't know. The other, the other thing that so, so route A, just having it in your hand, keeping it in your hand for the, rest of the scenario, that doesn't feel bad. Like I, mm-hmm. going, it's if you, it's only one. If you're going down to two cards, as in two pelt shipments, <laughs> that feels less good. Naturally, when you've got one, you are at hand size of five, but one of them is pelt shipments. So you've only really got four cards in your hand. That can be tough, but some investigators can manage it better than others. I would say if you're someone who's dumping stuff in your discard more, it's less of an issue. Now, that leads me on to something else, though. If mm. the card you dump into your discard is pelt shipment, and you have a way of getting it back to your hand... Mm-hmm. Like scavenging. Or scrounge for supplies. Now we're starting to, 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 to get somewhere, right? This is We're starting to get yeah. a bit of a stew going. There's also, and I can't guarantee there's not another card like this coming, I looked at Katya Eastbank a little while ago when I was building a Patrice deck. Can you yeah. remember what she does? When you draw a card, you can slot it under Katya and draw something else instead? Yes, pretty And then much. as an action, you can draw everything out from underneath her. Her flavour text is, let's bookmark that for later. <laughs> yeah, she's like bookmark from Netrunner. Yeah, exactly. So, so she can... I mean the benefit. Well, not really, Frank, because the benefit of anyway. Um, <laughs> so you could you could draw a card. Oh, it's Pell shipment. That's going under Katya, and then we're about to end the scenario. I'll spend my two actions to draw my two Pell shipments from underneath her, and boom. Yeah. So I have maybe led us a bit astray. Under experience in the rules reference, there's three steps. Mm-hmm. Step one is you count up at how much experience you've earned. And step three is you record any you haven't spent. But step two is the important step, and it says purchase new cards in bold. New cards may be purchased and add to a player's deck by spending experience equal to the card's level. When purchasing new cards, observe the following rules. Deck building guidelines. Each card costs experience equals to the card level to a minimum of one. When purchasing a new card during campaign, you may pay a minimum of one experience. You must pay a minimum of one experience. Um, this is like an additional thing. When purchasing a higher level version of a card with the same right. title, the investigator may choose to upgrade that card by paying only the difference in experience to a minimum of one. New cards are purchased or upgraded individually. So I think upgrading is just a, diff- a, version, a version of purchasing. Of purchasing. Yeah, okay. It sits within the set of purchase. And it's all under purchase new cards. So yes. I misspoke. Sorry to everyone who yelled at their podcast apps about that i think it means i think it's more generous than i realized we can apply the ritual so, punishment afterwards don't worry. thank you um is this also a reference to or a nod to inscription oh yeah because they're in, in inscription yeah, you yeah. can do pelt shipments and they eat up your deck and they just sit in your hand doing nothing yeah and then you sell the pelts to the to the trapper yeah potentially cool if it is yeah yeah I think you, you've you gone into much more thought about it than I have, and I really like your thoughts on it. Let's move on then, if we've had a lot of thoughts and we've got a lot of other cool cards to look at. Next, it's you to read the Pitchfork. Pitchfork. This is a three-cost asset. It has a combat and an agility icon, and it has item, tool, weapon, melee traits. Action, fight. You get plus one combat and deal plus two damage for this attack. If this attack is successful... Did you say something? I said plus two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If this attack is successful, lose control of Pitchfork and attach it to your location. Your location gains action. Take control of Pitchfork. Any investigator at Pitchfork's location may trigger this ability. And it uses two hand slots. So there is a possibility 
that you're surrounding the ghoul priest and one of you stabs a pitchfork into it mm-hmm. and then the next one grabs the pitchfork and stabs it into it and then the next person grabs yeah. the pitchfork and stabs it into it and you have this emergent narrative of you all shanking yeah. a ghoul priest. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a real flavour in this, but I don't know whether it's yeah. it's good. Like, <laughs> a weapon that deals three damage is nice, but the action to pick it back up just and the double hand slot just feels a little bit awkward. Yeah. That will be my feeling. Uh, and by the way, this was announced in the FFG article. So we have yeah, seen this before gonna be a, about it. a run through quite a few FFG article ones and these ones. I, I'd agree with you. Three cost for a three damage hit. It's like, okay, that was good. And then it starts to become really action intensive after that point. Yeah. And it's three cost to play. It's what? It's two actions for three damage, then four actions for six damage six actions for nine damage it's still good damage but there's just this down action yeah that's i mean that's how the bow works as well isn't it yeah 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 exactly for me i'm thinking with the two hand slots that this is a really tool belt dependent weapon Mm -hmm. a way of storing away this tool till you need it and you're maybe not using it as your main weapon but you're pulling it out of your tool belt dealing three damage to, say, a five health enemy that you're then killing with another weapon and picking the pitchfork back up is nice. Yeah. The other thing worth noting is I like the idea in multiplayer that there's maybe two fighters who are sharing the pitchfork among other weapons and other things. But if you're not doing that, that last clause any investigator can pick up, take control of the pitchfork is kind of dud. Yeah, that's kind of all I've got on this. You could almost treat it as just an event, but it's expensive. It's a double to pay three, do three damage, yeah. which isn't great. Yeah, yeah. Wilson uh, fights at plus two with it and gets the bonus plus one, which is fine. Oh, on that. Okay, so Wilson's signature is ad hoc. You attach it to a tool or weapon asset you control, and then it has a reaction after resolving an action ability on an attached asset exhaust ad hoc and discard a tool or weapon asset from your hand resolve an action ability on the discarded asset ignoring all costs so could you trigger that reaction on pitchfork if it was detached and just sitting at your location after resolving and resolving so yes yeah so you'd have to put it on while you control pitchfork but once once pitchfork is out of your control even the action to pick Pitchfork back up would give you other things with Wilson. Yeah. So you'd, you'd use it to discard another tool to trigger that. I can see that as one way of mitigating the downside yeah, of Pitchfork. Yeah. And, and I know I'm creating a whole whole situation to do it. But yeah, I'm inclined to agree. It's very action intensive. Who's our... Yeah, I was going to say, who's our rogue that can get loads of extra actions? But that's like Wendy or Preston. Yeah. <laughs> Preston with a pitchfork is a lovely <laughs> mental image. As is Wendy. Do you maybe you put it in like a Silas who's also bouncing cards back to hand as well with the net and the harpoon? Potentially, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Next is the Sparrow Mask, the Wanderer's Companion. One cost asset, willpower, and agility icons. Item charm mask, limit one mask per investigator, uses two offerings. Replenish one of these offerings after you take one or more damage and or horror. Free trigger spend an offering, you get plus two willpower or plus two agility for this skill test. 
limit once per test. Uh, yeah, again, I don't necessarily think there's much more to add on this. This was announced in the FFG articles. We've seen it. Probably yeah. of the three we've looked at so far, this is the easiest to replenish the offerings on. Yeah. But it's... Yeah, if you're running like a spirit of humanity, you can just do it forever. It's those defensive stats, isn't it? Willpower and agility. Yeah, it's the problem that Dig Deep faced as well. Yes. So maybe you're interested in this in Agnes, yeah. and you're dealing yourself horror to deal damage, and you're loving the willpower not boost. A bad shot, not a bad shot at all. And actually with two, what's she, three agility? Yeah. This puts her up to five. And if you've got Pete level two, yeah. you beat six and five, six, seven, eight willpower. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of nice. Like, the, there are a few places that you'd consider dig deep. I guess Wendy as well is four and four for those stats. So, yeah. I, I think, think, I think Agnes is the strongest. Yeah. The, the, the other is you look at this as a defensive card in someone like Calvin. Yep. who's constantly replenishing those offerings. And indeed, actually, Hank potentially runs it as a defensive card because you want to be able to soak for the whole team, so you need to control when you take damage and horror, and you can. one of the issues then is taking damage and horror from treacheries, so having a defensive card to make sure you're not suddenly taking a chunk of damage from a treachery and flipping to your resolute side at the wrong point could help. Okay, I think... Next, we're on to our only new new card. <laughs> yeah, okay. This is Elaborate Distraction. It's a three-cost event. It has willpower, combat, and agility icons, and has the trick and double traits. As an additional cost to play Elaborate Distraction, spend an action. Playing Elaborate Distraction does not provoke attacks of opportunity. Okay. For each enemy at your location, and at each connecting location, choose one of these two options. Automatically evade that enemy if it is not elite, or deal one damage to that enemy. The the, the art is somewhat walking away from a, a whole burning, burning down. Yeah, but also they're smoking. <laughs> so <laughs> potentially they've just used the matchbox and then have decided to, to casually And wait, their away. elaborate distraction is just to burn an entire building down. It's funny, like okay. the I think the implication is they're either the enemy's either caught in the distraction or they're mm. distracted by it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. What I've noticed with these doubles is they all have triple icons that we've seen so far. Mm. And I think that's giving me kind of barricade vibes of it's a card that can have a specifically potent use, but then a lot of the time is a dud. Yeah. And I guess that makes sense with doubles that they have this like range of icons that you might end up saying, oh, I've not had those two actions to do this. So I'm just going to chuck this for a single icon. And triple icons are not that great. They have a lot of like little use rather than an impactful commit use. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, three cost. You don't get an attack of opportunity. For two actions, you do an auto-evade at, for every enemy at your location and each connecting location. If that potentially is powerful, the closest we get to that is a five cost cunning distraction, which only does your location. Mm-hmm. And then you also get the kicker of dealing damage to elite enemies or also dealing damage to any of those enemies around. I could see this being useful even for like sniping whippoorwills, cultists, rats, any one health enemies that are at range yeah. that you just need to deal with. Yeah. We know about elusive as well. There might be enemies in Feast of Hemlock Vale that run away from people. Being able to hit them at range, everyone knows on the cast, I'm a big fan of things at range. So yeah, I'm kind of intrigued by this. 
Yeah, no, I, it, it's nice. I, I think that mixture of dealing the damage and evading, you can mix and match how you want to deal with the enemies. Like you say, like if you've got three health enemies lurking, maybe you do the one damage mm-hmm. to hit them into range yeah. for your fighter. Or yeah. if they're bigger enemies, you, you evade them so no one has to deal with them. Or if they're yeah. very small, you just kill them instantly. So you really get a mix and match. Like if, if you've got three enemies, two, four health and one, one health, like yeah. it would be an action for someone to deal with that one health enemy, but not anymore with elaborate distraction. Mm-hmm. Both of them evaded, and yeah. that last enemy killed. And you could have a situation like in say Undimensioned and Unseen, where there are broods rampaging, and you can just auto evade a load of broods, not even at your location, just just next to you. There are plenty of situations like that where you have. Like I've just played in too deep, or fairly recently, where you might have a ball of enemies chasing you yeah. behind you. Yeah. Pay two actions to evade three, four things behind you to stop that happening. Really nice. It's really yeah. It's a. I can see it being really useful, particularly in higher player counts. I think it's one where the doubleness of it, you can see how that works out. Like you said, if there are four or five enemies, they're going to be costing people across the team multiple actions. So the double really pays off in the way that when we saw with, what do I want to call it, Thorough Inquiry, which is the card draw one, or is it Bank Job, which is the resources one? Yes. It feels like there are ways of getting those resources that don't require you to commit two actions in the way that an elaborate distraction, you'd need at least two actions for doing what you're doing, if not more. Yeah. Okay. It's cool. I like. You next? Next, we have Push to the Limit. This is a two-cost event. Yeah. It's Willpower and Combat Icons, Tactic and Improvised. Welcome back to the Improvised trait, which we've not seen too much of for quite a while. Choose a weapon or tool asset in your discard pile. Resolve an action ability on that asset, ignoring all costs, including its action cost. After this effect resolves, shuffle the chosen asset into your deck. Playing this card does not provoke attacks of opportunity. I see this straight up actually as a Wilson card. Wilson Phillips, yeah. Yeah. And it like it ties into what I just described with the sort of some kind of ad hoc you're throwing weapons or tools into your bin and then you're just getting another use out of them before they end up back in your deck and you have a little loop like that. I can see it happening in William Yorick as well, mm-hmm. where you've got a weapon in your discard pile and maybe you want to, want to use it, but you yeah, you can't do anything else with it. You could. There's a really hot play where you, as William, you use an ability on a weapon in your discard, which yeah. kills an enemy, brings a separate asset back, and the first thing gets shuffled back into your deck, mm-hmm. which I think is a nice, a nice kind of loop. And if you have, say, a pitchfork in your discard pile, that's a three damage attack from your discard pile. And the idea of, an, oh, I have to pick the pitchfork back up. I think the pitchfork comes into play attached to your location and then gets shuffled into your deck. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, maybe you've played another weapon anyway. So it sits squarely for me in the discard pile combat shenanigans. And that's that's fine. I guess we should keep an eye as well, if you're running this in Wilson, on tools that aren't used for combat. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe you have discarded, I don't know, a fingerprint kit. And then you get to use a fingerprint kit to get another two clues, and then the fingerprint kit shuffles. That's lovely. Here's a question. What about in mm-hmm. Mark? Mark can take tactics. 
He can, yeah. And might have some weapons and or tools, but probably little access to other forms of recursion. Yeah. Discard a weapon and then activate its ability for for a kind of free attack. Yeah. And then you're probably drawing it again, given how Mark draws like a demon. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty nice card. It's nice, yeah. I, I like the flexibility. And I think if if you've got like that stack of, you know, um, shovel and... Fire extinguisher is a tool, I think. Yeah. You've got yeah, that. You've got a weapon. Yeah. And lantern in there. I think that's a tool as well. Yeah. Lantern, shovel. Yeah. They just, you know, discard them for the effect. Activate yeah. the effect. Oh, that's again. true. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah. and then it gets shuffled back into your deck. And it, it's. Yeah. Lantern deal the damage to an enemy, discarding it, and then push it to the limit and deal another damage. But. I think it's shovel's cool. even better, right? Get a clue and then get another clue. Pay push to limit to get another clue. And then yeah, it, that's then nice. shuffle it back in. Well, yes, yeah. shuffle that back into your deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really nice. Bro, unfortunately, you can't use it on Matchbox because that doesn't have an action ability. Yeah. I guess you could use it on Keyring, right? I think Keyring's a tool. Can you, after this effect resolves, it's not a then. So can you just recur a weapon or tool or shuffle? it back without resolving the action ability if it doesn't have one you can't do that after this effect resolves if you don't resolve an action ability it should say then though shouldn't it if that's the case oh okay i see what you mean so you then... choose a weapon or tool that you don't resolve an action ability on it because there isn't one yeah after that resolves after that non-effect resolves shuffle the chosen asset into your deck i don't know it doesn't say then i mean it, it if that's the intention it should say resolve an action ability on that asset ignoring all costs then shuffle then. the chosen asset into your deck it doesn't say that yeah. it says after this effect resolves okay i don't know anyway I, I guess it falls into the do as much as you can yeah that would be my field yeah 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 anyway right my card next isn't anyway, it anyway it is your card yeah stall for time which is what i was doing this is a one-cost event. It has a willpower and an intellect icon. It has tactic and trick traits. Parlay. Choose an enemy at your location. Test X willpower, where X is the chosen enemy's fight or evade value, whichever is lower. If you succeed, exhaust the chosen enemy, but do not disengage from it. If it is non-elite, it does not ready for the uh, during the next upkeep phase. If you fail, return stall for time to your hand. Stalling nice. for time in how much text they've put in this. <laughs> so on and on. It's an evade. Yeah, I'm reading, a, reading all pretty, this text. Pretty generous evade because it's a double evade. It doesn't it doesn't disengage from it though. Yeah, it gives you the slip away does not ready, combined with a stealth sort of no stealth disengages but doesn't exhaust. This doesn't disengage but does exhaust. And it has this kicker as well. If you fail, you get the card back. Yeah. So you can try this, and if you fail, you get to try it again at the same turn, or you know, repeatedly. You can keep you can keep stalling by playing this card. It's a lot of different like bells and whistles put on a card. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of worth the evade or or, or the exhaust, but don't disengage. Is an interesting one because the there's, yeah, there's some abilities which are like enemies need to be engaged with you, or like if you want to move an enemy around or something like that. Yeah, yeah. If you're a Trish or you're a you're a Roland or something, not they can take the card, but or an Alessandra, yeah, an Alessandra. They can they can move enemies around more easily using an ability like that. Parallel Roland could take it. 
You can take tactics yes, of course, yeah. three. And directives care about enemies being with you and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's I like it. I guess it's one where it's a new card and I should just try it. Yeah. I don't know if it forces its way into decks, partly because it's a parlay, a willpower, but it's behaving like evade, but you don't disengage. Like I love that you get to choose which whichever is the lower stat as well. That could work out to being a probably a minus one, maybe a minus two, depending on the enemy. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of details that I think are nice in it. It's almost too many details to really know whether it really works or not. Shall I move us on? Yeah, let's. Next we have the first double we saw in Feast of Hemlock Vale announcements. This is Wrong Place, Right Time. Zero cost event. Willpower, Agility and Wild Icons. It's spirit and double traded. As an additional cost to play Wrong Place, Right Time. Spend an action. Move up to five damage and or horror from your investigator to assets controlled by investigators at your location. For each asset defeated by this effect, draw one card. Remove wrong place, right time from the game. Uh, it's an interesting one, this, I think. Again, mm-hmm. you know, so many of these cards have been seen and talked about quite a bit. My gut feel is in a situation like... it. it basically, I think it feels like a Calvin card. And you're mm-hmm. in a situation where you've stacked up damage and horror on yourself early in the scenario to boost your stats and then you've played your damage and horror soaking cards twins yeah well the twins exactly that's that's yeah and I'll, I'll, I'll come back to the twins but also okay. your you know your coat you keep you, saying exactly you've played these cards and you need to keep there's like no the, the, this turns those back into a card economy advantage and mm-hmm does a bit of resetting of your damage and horror such that you're not in danger of direct damage and horror killing you. Mm. I don't know know whether I explained that very well. (laughs) Yeah, you you did. And actually, not being in danger of damage or horror killing you also ties into our man Hank. Mm -hmm. Hank, in his Resolute versions, can't heal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This moves, so it's not healing. Yeah. And has either 4 health, 6 sanity, or the other way around, 6 health, 4 sanity. And so having ways, you can still soak for the team as Hank, which is great, but you're on a real knife edge, I would say, with that kind of health and sanity pool. So having ways of moving this onto your keepsakes and coats and drawing cards from that is great. Yeah. And yeah, also, if you don't care about the draw, just getting them on to soak twins to Pete and Jessica is really nice. Did you want to add something about them? Uh, sort of, yes. But can I come back to them in a sec? The other okay, thing yeah. I was going to say was that the thing we've often criticised those pure soak assets for, like the keepsake and the coat, is it the coat or the jacket? Coat. Coat. Leather jacket's the rogue one. Yeah. You need to have them in play before you need them, before you're, you're taking the horror or the damage. Yeah. This allows you that, okay, I've taken some damage, I can now play <laughs> my soaking asset and transfer the, the, the horror back over to it. It is a, another card and two actions in that chain of events. Mm-hmm. So I don't know whether it does anything particularly like... doesn't improve the, the overall efficiency of that, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And almost getting the cards back for them being defeated is just a... Like, uh, it's like a consolation prize. I think the fact that this says remove it from the game 
is that someone in playtesting found an infinite loop with this card. <laughs> and I, if I had to guess, yeah. I would say there is a disgusting spirit of humanity, a moment's peace, wrong place, wrong time, soak thing, where you can damage yourself to put blessers in the bag, mm-hmm. heal, move all that damage off you with wrong place, wrong time, mm-hmm. onto coats and keepsakes, which go into your deck, which you then immediately draw cards back up. And you keep looping your deck because your deck is really tiny at this point, And you just keep doing that. And you have like 10 bless in the bag. You keep skipping the mythos phase because you're not using taboo. And <laughs> you just <laughs> you just keep going like that. Yeah. that. That would be my guess. That The fact that it's got remove it from the game suggests to me that there's some pretty powerful things you can do with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could um, be right. Particularly as we've seen the other doubles aren't gated in that way. They're not. They're not being removed from the game. So yeah, I think this is one that's worth keeping an eye on for that. Yeah. I'd I'd add actually maybe Tommy wants to look at this for what you described about it's okay if you draw your soak late. Yeah. Tommy Tommy really likes obviously generating resources out of his soak being damaged. And it can be really frustrating if you've taken a load of damage yourself and then you play your soak and you're like, oh, um, hmm. who can I give a solemn vow to or whatever it is. And this might just be a really nice extra way of doing that. Draw cards and gain resources as Tommy or put ammo on Becky. Yeah. Right, do you want to take us home? We've got one last card. Well, just just very, very briefly. Oh, um, yeah, go on. The, the only thing I was going to mention was having uh, Pete and Jessica out, you get like a smoothing of damage and horror taken. They mm-hmm. can be mm-hmm. like an overflow, or overflows from them onto you. Um, but of course, they take a few turns to heal. One of the nice things about Spirit of Humanity is it allows to fill those gaps where they're not working for you in terms of healing themselves. So you can stack yeah. them up with damage and horror. This is kind of another way of doing it. So you can take it, they heal, and then the damage and horror you took while they were stacked up can then flow back onto them. Yeah, yeah. So it's a bit of a kind of a smoothing of damage and horror and keeps you alive if you're taking a lot. That was what I was going to add anyway. The art, is that Wilson then putting up a Doesn't, poster? I didn't think it was, no. And the poster says, welcome Maybe. to Innsmouth. It might be, but I I didn't think it was. He wears like a he's got a different hat, hasn't he? He's got like a wide brim yeah. hat. So the story here is that this person, whoever this is, is like in the wrong place, Innsmouth, but at the right time to do, do that classic survivor thing of stand up to the darkness. Yeah, okay, I like that. That's yeah. nice. <laughs> or wrong place, right time to kill a load of my allies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, take us home. Yep. That's our last right, card. We've got a skill card. This is long shot. This is practiced. Always nice to see. You commit. You may commit long shot to a fight or evasion test against an enemy at your location or a connecting location. If this nice. test is successful, deal one damage to that enemy. Ooh, nice. It's nice. I I, think... You know Stunning Blow has flavour thud. Yeah, this needs thwack. It's a shame that this doesn't have boink. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never hit us from that rate. This is nice, right? Like yeah, an extra damage. Yeah. So it's a vicious blow. Vicious blow without the combat icon. Without a combat icon, but also at range. At range, yeah. Doing damage to an enemy you evaded is not not normally that useful. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it is. Yeah, it's just added flexibility. Added, yeah, added flexibility. Maybe there's a something that needs to be killed off, and it's easy to evade but hard to hit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you can chuck a long shot into that. 
you could also be having one of your party be setting off to a connecting location to do that. So you're like, yeah, I'll just chuck in a long shot behind you, <laughs> which is a great like emergent narrative, right? Yeah. And there's a there's a barn in the background, so I'm guessing this is Hank just like lobbing a brick across <laughs> across vast distances. So that's nice. I like this. I like it at range. I like that it can be an evasion to add damage, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I guess the the person who likes that is Rita because she can already do damage when she evades enemies. Yeah. So with a long shot, she can add something to that. It's the point of the game where we want to see other versions of Vicious Blow. And how do you do that? Well, maybe you do it with no icon, but with a, a damage boost anyway. And yeah, I, I think it's a cool design. I like it. Yeah. Well, that's that's us, right? That is us. What's your highlight, yeah. Frank? Elaborate distraction. I think I've have I picked a double every single time. No, I didn't done, pick a double yeah. in the rogue, but I think elaborate distraction. I mean, it's the only card we didn't know, and it's really cool. How about you? Um, it's difficult. I think they're all like none of them are like oh god, it's incredible. I mean, some of them are good, like really good. Yeah, matchbox pelt shipment, both good. I, I would look forward to figuring out push to the limit. I think. And seeing what I okay. can do with that. That's probably going to be my... You're looking forward to pushing it to the... I'm looking forward to pushing it to the limit. I'm pushing push to the limit to the limit. <laughs> nice. Thank you. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode. <laughs> Listener, as ever, you can get in touch with us. We're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're on social media. We're on Patreon as well. So by all means, become a patron of the cast if you're not already. And if you are, thank you so much for your support. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you. Thank you.